Would it be like this is on Resistance Radio, a horizontal media collective dedicated to empower resistance against our forms, structures, and systems of oppression? Today's conversation and dialogue will be around uh, the upcoming election. With that said, I am Esho Funi, and can all participants please um, recognize yourselves? Hey, this is Jay. Hey, this is X. Hello, everyone. This is Bobby. Hope you're well. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Right now, we are entering election season. It's the end of our current uh, presidencies coming to an end. The Obama administration is on their way out of the White House. With that said, and the current environment of revolution and the action that's being taken by the people to shift and change our society, what do you think about these people who announced their candidacy? Democrats, Republicans, Hillary Clinton is one of those individuals. Ted Cruz, oh yeah, Rand Paul, agnostic their candidacy. So what do you think about that, my friends? Read all about it. You know, if you don't <laughs> vote, then your voice doesn't matter. If you're concerned, then you really got to find a way to make it to the voting booth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pressure to vote. I think that it's elevated and glorified as the and all be all of participation that validates the political process that exists. I think it upholds white supremacy. I also think that in terms of levels of ways we can participate, voting is probably the least problematic part of the election machine in terms of how much labor is absorbed into electioneering, how much time, energy, hope, emotions are invested into the election machine. But I think it's a good conversation to have because it does dominate the media and dominate wherever we go, basically. It becomes the social norm. Yeah, I feel that. I feel the climate that's coming up is get out and vote. Rock the vote. (laughs) You know, um, if you really care about change and you talk about change Mm. so much throughout the year, show, why are you not voting? You have to vote. Um, so I agree. We are being prepared to be hit in every which way, our psyches and our emotions for not participating in uh, this vote if we decide not to. It's just, yeah, a lot of bitter batter, but I <laughs> got <laughs> baking in the oven for this election. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's weird because it's all leading up. It, you, we see it. We see it, it's so blatant, and it's in all of the ads, and you see, like, advertisement with, like, these celebrities' faces on it, with, like, the man is, like, you know, there's a blue background, there's, like, a a red background for Taylor Swift or whatever, and you see, like, the red and blue everywhere, and then... You know, it's in Selma and like all of these movies coming out, urging you already to prepare for that vote. It's like, it's such a machine. And yeah, I think it's a, in terms of these candidates, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care so much as like, which president is the leader of this imperialist country. Mm-hmm. It's just like, when are we, 
going to start disregarding not the people, but the positions, the actual positions themselves, you know, the actual position that one person has the ability to represent an entire nation, a nation with a history of genocide and imperialism and offshore exploitation and everything. Just voting itself is just, it's kind of... It's weird how the state frames it, you know, the state frames it as, like, a civil right, you know, when I guess it is, because, like, who is seen, like, we were talking about earlier about who's seen as, like, civil and who's seen as, like, people worthy of vote and worthy of work and worthy of, like, decision making. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the buy-in, you know, and that's the, like, that's the kind of power trip or the power trap is like okay well you don't actually have a voice unless you vote this is what the state is basically saying to everyone unless you vote you don't actually have like a voice so let us give you your voice finally you know people achieve that right people were maybe seen as human or whatever and then yeah now it's like and we've been squabbling ever you know ever since you know who who's going to be the right leader to lead us they only have to represent you know Three million, three hundred million people. Right. I, it should be an easy task for one leader to do that. Correct. Jokey, joke, joke, joke. <laughs> of course. Hillary Clinton announced that she was going to be running, and Hillary Clinton reminds me of Tracy Flick from Election. Like she just like really, 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 really wants to be president, and <laughs> you know, white women everywhere really want her to be mm-hmm. president. And I think it's interesting, like. When it comes to Hollywood and Hillary, Hollywood has been preparing for Hillary for a while. How many shows, like canceled shows, have come out about, you know, like someone being like a white woman running for president and, you know, with a husband who's (laughs) cheated on her and used to be president. It's totally been geared to try to set it up for Hillary to become president. And the rest of the candidates, the Republican Party and their candidates, you know, no one really pays attention to if the Rand Paul is, is purposely there to make the person who is tired of our electoral process go vote for Hillary because they're like well you know we can't have Rand Paul in office so we have to get the you know the lesser of two evils you know even though we know Hillary is a Zionist even though we know Hillary is for capitalism and Hillary is still a patriarch and Hillary is a white supremacist and she's going to do all the same things that any president's going to do in reality because like a president's going to do whatever the power tells them to. They rule for capitalism and white supremacy and corporate interests. So it really doesn't matter who wins. Um, we're still going to get fascism. White supremacy is still going to win. And um, it's interesting to kind of be someone who used to be all about it and who used to like love election time of year because it would be like you know so interesting and you know you get into super tuesday and all that stuff and it becomes so much a part of people because you you place so much on a party or a person and in reality nothing is going to change maybe some social issues right they, they have power to do some social issues like here and there they'll give you crumbs but um i'd rather campaign for revolution mm. i'll say ditto to that <laughs> um yeah, with election uh, season here and uh, these uh, the same anxiety that came up four years ago and the four years before that and then four years before that, the same push to make people 
care about like changing our society because I feel that's what election season is. It's like this is the time to actually make change happen. Um, with that said, what is the, one of the most like frustrating things about this time, about this election time, either from what you see or your own individual like um, struggle when it comes up to election time and advocating for revolution, a completely overturning of the way in which things are ran in our society, a redirecting of our resources on every level. I guess what the problem is, I see it is always the feeling like people are trying to situate themselves more comfortably or comfortably within the context of, of fascism, of like a very violent and genocidal nation state. You know, I have no interest in and really legitimizing it any further, it's discredited itself since the beginning and in the inception of this country. Have I feel and I feel like for the buy-in to this election is a disregard for all the genocide that has happened to establish this country. So it's actually it is very bothersome and very disrespectful to my ancestors, to a lot of people who have died who have been coerced to assimilate into these solutions to a problem that has been given to us by the nation state. You know, it's like we're being given this way in almost rite of passage into humanity or whatever the hell white, what hu- white humanity is. And this is democracy and this is how they establish their sense of order. So I think it's extremely unethical at this point to actually vote, to actually do something and try to buy into this particular kind of changing of a a system and allocating social and material capital to bodies or, you know, lobbying. Because a lot of people can't, there's a lot of people who are incarcerated, the vast majority of the people who are, are, are black who have been incarcerated can't actually vote. People who are undocumented can't. Um, people who are non-neurotypical peoples can't. So, yeah, I just think it's at this point, you know, why it's it's very um, it's a disturbing process, is what I what I think. Yes, something that frustrates me with elections is the. Um, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier that people care now. That people mm. care now, to, and as a way for people like to forget um, for three, four years about the problems that our our society is facing, and then when election time comes around, it gives people that validation to say, "Oh no, I care because I voted. Um, I want to change our world because I voted." Um, and it's frustrating because with so many people who are who are like this enfranchised and killed and who are violently attacked physically, emotionally, psychologically on a consistent basis, we you know, we are fighting for change consistently. I have to fight for change consistently at my workplace, at my um at the local grocery store if someone is treating me um incorrect. I have to you know, I have to continue to fight for change consistently and for those of privilege is a way to say, well, I voted for this. Uh, I, I voted for this change. And if the person that you voted for didn't get into office, then you can just easily, you know, wait until the next four years. And you now that's really frustrating. Um, I have a lot of friends who are like that. Um, the other thing is uh, frustrating is what you were m- mentioning, X, about those who cannot vote 
and uh, that's the reason I don't vote. I don't vote because there are a lot of people who can't vote. Um, uh, specifically inside of the uh, what's this? The major election? That's not what this is called. But what is it called? National. The national election? Yeah. Um, I I choose not to vote specifically in the national election because there are so many people who can't vote and. It would have shown great solidarity for the enslaved Africans if more people actually didn't participate in the process of voting out of solidarity. Um, but, you know, a lot of people didn't. You know, a lot of people continued to vote while they were enslaved human beings. Um, and I feel the same as uh, what you were mentioning, X, about it's unethical in our society now to, like, vote. When we know there are people here who cannot vote, like undocumented people, like people who are falsely accused or uh who have fell victim to the prison industrial complex and can't vote, um, who systemically are pushed out of voting. Uh, so that's some frustrating things for myself. I guess I'm frustrated that we're still having elections, that the movement is not the place where we have totally stopped that process from happening. You can look and you can kind of analyze the process of voting and you can look at it as its effectiveness for change who you vote for president, that doesn't necessarily mean what they campaign for is actually going to happen. We saw mm-hmm. that with the last president. We've seen that with all the presidents. So to me, it's obvious, right, if you look at history and all previous elections and campaigns that this system has failed, that this process does not work, that it does not represent the people. As everyone spoke about before, it does not represent all the people. And so obviously it's a process that we shouldn't continue to do. So why are we continuing to do it? So I'm at the point where it's like, don't we, shouldn't we step back and be like, hey, instead of just doing this failed thing, like let's kind of review and see maybe we should try a different thing. Maybe, you know, like this isn't the way we're supposed to live and like maybe we shouldn't be governed this way, you know, without like having to necessarily have the answer of how we're going to govern, you know, or have the answer of what it's going to be like. I wrote a piece like Campaign for Revolution and I didn't have like an answer of what revolution looks like. And people were like, what, you know, what does that look like? It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would be a politician if I was going to tell you, <laughs> you know, and I'm not You'd a politician. You'd be a fascist yeah. if you had the program. <laughs> right? You know, I'm not RCP. I'm not going to sit here and pass you out and tell you Bob and Bacon's the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob and Bacon, <laughs> not the way. <laughs> yeah, when I think about voting and how it's framed as participation and how it's kind of put forward as a privilege that the state grants in some sort of really messed up contract they say they have with you. And then they expect you and pressure you and create conditions that tell people to exercise their privileges for the benefit of other people. And so a lot of people get caught up in voting because they think that they're doing everyone else a favor or they're, this is the epitome of social justice. And through that vote, I feel like they withhold access to voting so that we can spend so much energy trying to get that access to vote. But that isn't direct participation in our environment. They give us time off to vote, but they don't give us time off to feed each other or they don't give us time off for like childcare. And so when we vote, I feel like we're empowering someone else to have that solution. And that's not our fault. That's the way it's been structured. But if we look at how change has come. It's come through people becoming, engaging with each other and dialoguing and brainstorming and structuring themselves in a way that actually improves their conditions. And then the state comes in and tries to structure that. So 
change comes through us, but voting makes sure that there's an elected, selected representational body to structure us instead of us structuring ourselves. So I think that I get really frustrated with that process and that constant co-optation of of energy, of us, of people just responding to their conditions. And I also am really frustrated with the idea that you should wait in between elections or that Mm -hmm. like this is the pinnacle of participation so you should be patient and tolerant until these processes are made available to you and I think liberal tolerance what I grew up during liberal tolerance post 9-11 regime and then of the election season that came after that that kind of positioned itself as advocating for the youth and providing a different way and giving a transparent government you know it does capitalize on our urge to participate but I think that urge to participate is more collective than it is hierarchical, and the state kind of comes in and manipulates that. Mm. The whole throwing, uh, the fact that the civil rights and that, you know, my ancestors fought for my right to vote, but I feel like they fought for my right not to vote. You know, they fought for me to have the option. And to hear that from predominantly white people is very condescending and annoying and tiring and a very frustrating thing to basically be told, well, now that I have the right to, I, I must do it. I wanted to, I mean, I have a question for people who do vote. Like, is is voting going to actually abolish institutional, cultural, social, anti-blackness? Like, can you abolish that through the vote? Or can you, like, somehow find a way to get people to stop killing trans women every 32 hours like by vote like is that going to because if you could i would vote (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like if 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 i could vote and have all this you know have institutionalized racism and uh sexism and like heteropatriarchy and capitalism if i could vote that away if all i had to do is go and click on something and it was gone i would do that but guess what you (laughs) can't like yeah i think that's like the biggest uh, challenge overall for um, our generation, I think, is that at one point that was taught to that was taught to the people that was taught to people that you can change racism and all of these isms through voting and through um, uh, and through like your politicians. And we have our, our you know the generation that came before us who like believe that. So there's they're normally the generation that's really encouraging us to like we have to vote. Um, and uh, something you said earlier, uh, Bobby, um, not that earlier, maybe like five minutes ago, <laughs> but was um, that the rhetoric of your people, like, you know, African people or black people, like, fought for you to vote. And it's it's not, you know, you didn't have individuals outside, you know, fighting for you to vote. They were fighting for me to be able to be free. They were fighting for me to be liberated. And individuals were led and funneled into the structure and like started to like was started to give these given these privileges of the vote. And I felt like that's what diver- diverted actually true liberation for like my ancestors or my people. Like I am not as free or liberated as I should be. If um, if it wasn't for having the right to vote, you know, like, and um, being able to uh, participate in these structures that when they were first created, was it was created to actually keep me from participating. 
or keep my ancestors from participating because I guess I can participate now. So yeah, uh, one of the, another frustrating thing is your people died for you to be able to vote. You're spitting on their graves when you don't vote. And it's like, no, they would get upset with me if they are upset with us for us to continue to participate in these uh, structures when we know they don't work because they didn't work for them. I talk to my ancestors actually consistently. That's actually a big part of being black. Um, with that said, uh, I, uh, we ha- have all these different parties. Um, it's not necessarily just the Democrats and the Republicans who are running. Um, so you have like the Green Party and a few other parties. Um, how do y'all feel about these third party options um, when it comes up to like election season? And could you s- subvert? Um, could you make? Uh, could you subvert from uh, these structures of oppression by voting for a third party? I just, I just really think voting in general, um, it, through whatever country, through whatever process is a tool of social control, socially engineering people to continuously legitimize the nation state. That's where I'm at. So like, I feel that when people try to get other parties in, it's interesting because like, there's this like, I I don't know, a non-recognition of the inherent corruption versus like thinking that there are certain corrupt political parties. It's like the It is born of corruption. It is not, you know, just with it. Um, And I feel that there isn't a party that's going to really address the nation state or like, you know, cut. There's so much that has to be done in terms of like re-indigenization or decolonizing. You know, if we want to actually decolonize, I think we should start with, you know, the delegitimizing this process, this kind of like way to to go about making some like small gradual changes. I think it starts, it can start with that where it's like, okay, we've learned now, you know, this whole voting thing and putting all of our money and time and resources into into this is like, all it's doing is just helping us squabble over like who's in the position of power. If that answered your question, um, I don't remember what the question was actually. <laughs> What no, was the question? It, no, totally. No, it, I think <clears throat> we're answering the no, question because okay. I, oh, yeah, I, I, okay. using, I thought I brought up third parties was because that is another thing that's thrown. It's like, well, if you don't want to vote for the Republicans or Democrat, vote for this third party. And it's um, and I think it's actually a challenge to have the conversation consistently be. I actually think voting in general is problematic and it's mm-hmm. not really about another party. And I am actually appreciative that you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just not for, you know, voting in general and and kept that the frame of the conversation uh, because it can be easily going back to, well, if you are going to vote, like who would you vote for? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Ray? I've recently been thinking about how these groups and or party formations that granted are you know forming i think to compete in the market that is elections for like representation or like a piece of uh, social capital or some sort of position within the structure but it, like especially anti-capitalist candidates i'm really confused because the structure itself is designed to facilitate capitalism and take profit basically out of exploiting people and creating conditions that keep people exploited so getting in one or two or five or 10 
anti-capitalist candidates is going to take so much time, energy, and resources, even if you have one party and people rallying, but you're diverting all that, all that power, all that collective empowerment back into the power structure, the white supremacist power structure that exists. So I don't understand that. But I've also been thinking a lot about especially revolutionists or anti-capitalists who believe that we need either autonomous movements for change or a workers' party or a centralized um, alternative party uh, that has people run the current state of things based on what we produce, which I also think can be problematic logic. I'm wondering why we keep reinforcing the lie that reform is more accessible than revolution or that we don't want to alienate people so we don't talk about revolution. We bring them into our meetings and talk about what we think their struggle is. And then we like, you know, have these rallies or kind of use people in a certain way to get someone elected instead of being honest. Like, why do we presume that revolution, which is more direct, which is about entangling your environment and empowering people around you, um, is somehow less accessible than voting or, I mean, to, to make policy change, you have to have access to a specific language, to specific spaces, to specific like hierarchies and ways of navigating those hierarchies. So that's extremely inaccessible. Mm. And that is what electioneering is. It's completely inaccessible and it is designed to have you disempowered. And also just want to say real quick that there are lots and lots of people who don't vote and those people are shamed and demonized constantly uh, or or considered un- uneducated, but I think a lot of people have recognized that the process is alienating to them and not representative of them and have withdrawn their support. And I think that that, we need to affirm that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the voting is, the structure is so threatened by all these people that don't vote and those people are demonized. And so why can't we as revolutionary desirers, movements, <laughs> support those people and actually change the message that maybe revolution is more accessible than reform, which is class war. I think that a lot of the hierarchical groups, they still want power. That's why they still want to participate in, like, trying to have a candidate or something like that because, like, they're still hierarchical and they're still power-driven. It's not like I don't vote anymore because of, you know, I'm tired of a certain party or there isn't the right candidate. I don't vote anymore because I don't think it's effective to me, and I don't think that it's going to change the structural problem of this country. So there, there's just no point of voting no matter who the candidate is or what the party is. So I'd rather spend my time participating in the already existing revolution. This conversation in general, um, having it so consistent every four years is something that's really, something that's really um, actually sad uh, for myself. Um, and when you're participating in this conversation, it's, it, it weighs a lot because especially if you're like working to shift and change our culture on a consistent basis, 365 days a year and always like being critical and election time come in. This is the time when everyone can give their two cents and everyone gives their opinion and tell you to shut up and tell you how you're not actually um, creating a better world. Because you are because of your rhetoric, your non-voting rhetoric, and it's people like us who stop actual change that comes, and it's sad because it creates a so many like social problems. Mm. Um, with that said, what do y'all feel about um, like uh, options of when it comes up to while this election season is happening? What can people actually be doing to 
help affect change? So first I'm going to suggest caring for yourselves and holding the revolutionist energy and peoples that you care for close during these times because they can be very, very draining. I waver between resenting myself for even commenting on the electoral situation and the power dynamics that exist because in that way I feel like I'm validating it. And then the other feeling that I have is so frustrated that I want to tear the narrative apart. And I do remember the last election season, there was, for me, there was like a lot of drinking and blogging and I was like really angry. Um, So I can already feel that coming back with the Hillary everywhere situation. So I would just say there's a lot of stuff that we could do in terms of energy, collective actions, alternative structures, intentionalizing stuff and not allowing ourselves to be recuperated. The dominant narrative shifting does take a lot of energy. And so I'm trying to be intentional about how I agitate while not spending too much time saying the word Hillary. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I'm saying Hillary all the time. Hashtag something something Hillary. What is it again? I'm not even going to say it. Um, Hashtag don't. Hashtag don't. Hashtag don't. don't. Hashtag don't. Hashtag don't Hillary. I recently... Well, yeah, um, some of us in LAQ at Los Angeles Queer Resistance went to um, the Color Violence Conference to talk about consent and queer bodies. And this is, I like this workshop and doing this workshop because it's kind of a low key way for us to not only expand the conversation on consent, but also expand the conversation about what you don't consent to in your everyday life. And yeah, getting beyond just the sex, talking about the state and the state never really gives you that consent to any of the things. The state is so very violent and coercive that you're not actually consenting to a lot of the things that you're having to engage with. You're actually literally coerced and forced to engage with um, because the state makes it so, and establishing Voting, for example, you know, these are things that we didn't really kind of come up with ourselves as people. You know, this these are decisions we're born into. These are institutions that we're born into. And we're just having to continuously engage with that and are seen as like impractical or un- uncivil if we're not if we're not assimilating to these like quote unquote solutions granted. So I feel that, like, I guess just, like, challenging the very idea that of a world run with such a dominating view of, like, how change is done, you know, it's, like, it's not working. So I don't, I don't want to continue to opt into something that's actually counterproductive and actually something that is erasing a lot of um, people's struggles yeah, there's just so much co-optation. There's so much, um, there's so much media that, you know, we're having to deal with. And it's really, it's really, really frustrating. Yeah, I just wish uh, more people were down to destroy the world. Um, because I think the world as it exists for certain people, like black body, black people in general, um, this civilization is... Uh, yeah, banking off of, like, our exploitation. I'm impatient. Um, I'm tired of struggling. I I would like for the next phase of the revolution to already be happening, but it takes people to get to their place, you know? So 
but I, I do think that the fact that our planet is dying um, and that Nestle stealing all of our water and food prices are going up and that fascism is taking over and showing its face really, really, really a lot. It really, again, it really doesn't matter because I think that we just need to keep being in the streets. We need to stop listening to organizations. We need to hold on to uprisings as long as possible. And when those groups try to co-opt you and try to organize you and the vanguardists try to control you, we have to fight that. We just need to continuously, continuously revolt. Hmm. The um. tall order. There was this really great article on abolishing the police in terms of like how, you know, people are uncomfortable with like, yeah, you say abolish the police, but what are you going to, what about all the violence that happens when, if the police aren't uh, around? But it's like regarding how black people aren't safe when the police do exist, we can think of a world without that without black people getting not only put into this institution that is commodifying their bodies and labor, but also the fact that it is responsible for so much black death. So, yeah, just thinking of that, how you can be a prefigurative politic. It's not, we don't have all the answers. Um, And I like what you said about um, how, yeah, you don't need to be in an organization in order to make some sort of change, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the... That's what's so pervasive about, like, it's just like voting. It's like you got to vote in order to create change. You got to be in an organization in order to create some sort of change. And you don't. You really don't. Lots of people have, like, autonomously and and collectively worked together, not in organizations. And part of the political orthodoxy that is formed out of organizational work is replicating, you know, the very oppressive dynamics that the state kind of imposes on us. So I guess... Other alternatives are acting out in ways that the state doesn't want us to act out in what we're doing now in terms of like talking to one another as well as what we can do to unlearn the things that the state has like imposed upon it, like voting. It's like voting as a tactic, voting as the only means of change, like unlearning that, um, policing, you know, policing as a, a means of like and shaming, you know, like these are all things that the state is teaching us to interact with and utilize. So like, how do we not do what the state wants us to do? Um, Something I would uh, suggest or encourage people is uh, to speak up. If this uh, new culture, electoral culture that is arising again uh, from its sleep, um, and this is the um, atmosphere of change for people just to speak up consistently in every space that you are. If you see something racist, say something. If you see something sexist, say something. Something transphobic, say something. See something ableist, say something. Um, just speak up. You know, uh, I think not a lot of people are speaking up, and uh, it'd be great if more people would. Um, something else I would encourage is to read. Read more on read on white supremacy. I don't think a lot of people actually Google white supremacy and what white supremacy is and how it perpetuates itself. Um, read on like the how the environment affects the psych, the psychology of a human being's mind and living under these oppressive structures. How it's replicated in people's behavior, um, and maybe that will help underst- us understand 
or help you understand why some communities have more violence than others, supposedly, or some communities are more devastated by economic strife. Um, so uh, that would be something I would also encourage. And I guess the last thing is just like, you know, to think, think outside of uh, the box that is given to you, given to us. Um, if they say, you know, if Hillary Clinton tells you something is good, think, is it really good? You know, uh, just don't take everything that is told to you during this time, because a lot of misinformation and flat out lies are going is about to be told. So just be prepared for that. That just reminds me, like, there's going to be a lot of electoral capitalizing off of the black resistance movements and the movements against police terrorism. So please, you know, don't allow those movements to become represented by electoral candidates so far removed from the struggle. And I think elections undermine resistance. The, the very nature of electioneering is to undermine resistance culture. So if I have to live my life under fascism right now, and then there's going to be like repetitive elections every four years, and it's going to be really frustrating. And we have the you know the time and like the energy and the communalism to reimagine a different world and society. I don't understand why we would refocus on leadership and hierarchy. So if we're going to reorganize anything, then we should center on different values, empathy, or learning mm -hmm. about things from people who suffer the most under this structure of colonialism and hierarchy. So I just think about that, like, if we are going to imagine a revolutionary world instead of third parties, can we think about structuring ourselves in a different way that doesn't center hierarchy and leadership and control? I don't think that that revolt is a tall order. The state purposely, along with the media, which is the arm of the state, has framed revolution to be this big, scary thing, as if life isn't already this big, scary thing. Revolution is simply just reimagining and reframing and re-understanding a way in which we want to be, we want to exist because I never consented to being governed or like to this country or to any of these laws. And just the idea of that, I think as human beings, since we've been born and indoctrinated into all these things, we never just stop and think like, huh, I don't have a choice. I am a citizen. I was given this number. They tell me where I can go and travel, where I can't, if I have the privilege to even have a passport. And that is violence. They have taken our freedom from the second we were we came into this world. And all I want to do is reclaim you know, my right to exist the way I want to without having to have some overarching government and, you know, system tell me what, what happens in my vagina. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, from every little part of my life. And, and they're not even doing it right. Like, the whole, the whole deal is that we're supposed to give up our power, right? And we give our power up to this government for protections. They're not protecting. They're not holding up to their part of the social contract is what it's called. And so they're not even doing that. So even for people who are like, okay, well, it's the social contract. Well, the contract is null then because they're not going by it. So I hope that people just stop and like think about it for a second. Mm. Wow, thank you. Thank you, thank you everyone um, for a great dialogue um, around politics and around the human condition and under colonialism, white supremacy, anti-blackness, all of these isms. Thank you for people who were listening. We are not the say-all, be-all. We are only speaking from our own point of view. 
That is what On Resistance Radio is about. Thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio or Horizontal Media Collective. Keyword horizontal. You can find us on soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. You can find us on Facebook, um, On Resistance Radio. And we have a Tumblr, onresistanceradio.tumblr.com. Our website is still coming. It's in the process of coming. (laughs) We say this on every show. But, I mean, we have the domain. We're just getting it together. Check we're out horizontal. our domain, though. Yeah, check out the domain because <laughs> it's there. The coming soon looks good. The coming soon looks good, <laughs> as the homie just said. <laughs> we're horizontal. It's going to take some time. Follow us on Twitter at OnResistanceLA. Peace out.